Okay, so I'm delighted to be joined by former NFL player, media personality, now businessman, and a Zoom tech guy, man of many talents, Jason Bell. How are you, Jason? I'm good, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And yeah, in this, uh, this time where we've had time on our hands, we've all uh, gotten better at things we never knew we would be in. So Zoom is one of my new skills. <laughs> Basically, what we've just said before I hit record is, that we will touch on there's a lot a lot of terrible things going on in the world right now there was obviously we hit with covid and now things more serious than covid seems to be happening with the black lives matter movement that is and the death of george floyd and everything that's going on it's just horrible and instead of us going over and over this in this podcast what i'm going to do is direct everyone that listens to this to jason anosis podcast which he um launched a few days ago they both basically share their experiences uh of growing up in this whole, what do we call it? Just a negative society, if you will. Um, and instead of keeping, you know, bad blood, go go listen to that because it educated me. It educated me on plenty of stuff and it's a great listen. So, Jason, where can people listen to that? You know, like you said, the Jason and OC podcast, it's on all audio platforms. And, you know, people like to avoid things that are uncomfortable. We all do it. It's a part of human nature. And police brutality is something that was unavoidable in my life. And no matter how much it was discussed, people that did not live the life that I lived and so many others, they couldn't imagine the things and experiences that we were talking about. I mean, they heard us, but they didn't see it. They didn't feel it. And now, with the ability to record everything in an instant, they're forced to reckon with what has been happening my 41 years on this planet Earth, 42. And it's that I've always had issues with police and police brutality and the power that they wielded over my life. So the world is seeing it. They, they can't hide. And the only way change happens is if the masses Together, all of us say enough is enough. And we use our power as a group, as a whole, to change the, the situation at hand by using our rights. And it hurts because it's painful. But anything that has happened, and you look at it, your individual life, and you think of the things you've accomplished, you always say, Wow, I can't believe how hard that was, how painful that was, what I had to overcome. This is no different. So hopefully, by the pain and the discomfort everyone is experiencing now, there's real change that comes out of it. And I'll tell you this, man, it's young people, young people with energy, um, with passion that want to see a better world for themselves. They are the fuel. They're the engine to this. So I applaud those who say they were moved because that's the first step. So I appreciate you listening. What's it been like for you then the last, just the last few days in general? Obviously you've, you say you've suffered with it for your whole life, which is, I wouldn't want anyone to go through that, but what's the, it's been like for you the last few days, just seeing everything unfold? Extremely emotional. And especially at this time, this was a perfect storm in a very, very terrible way. You have, what's happening with COVID-19 and what I see in that and the way I view the world, 
especially from a financial perspective, because uh, finance is one of my passions, is there has been a clear divide of the haves and the have-nots, especially in the U.S. I mean, the one thing I, I look at over in the U.K., and I spend most of my time here, is at least people can get around the NHS. That's everybody's. Like, everybody yeah. has that. No matter what you, no matter where you are, as far as uh, the socioeconomical scale, you can go to the NHS. It's not the same in the U.S. So this thing has shown people where they stand. If they ever thought it was different, they know what side of the scale they're on. So we're having to deal with that. That's hard enough. We're finding our way through that. And then you see the thing that has always been in the U.S. And it's the police have so much authority over you when you are confronted by them that it, at the same time, you're realizing I'm also a have not as far as where I stand in society because I can't even have access to healthcare the same way somebody else will. It's a perfect storm, you know, and, and you, if you, if you, and you have people in politics fueling that division for reelection purposes. This is this whole thing as a football, as a sports person as someone who has lived my life in sports, one thing I know is leadership because you see it. Organizations, coaches, players, we, all talk, we always talk about what it does for us and how it makes us better as a team. And there's one thing that's funny, no matter who they choose as a leader, no matter who they pick, we know who the leader is because we see them in adverse situations and how they react. And those are our leaders on teams. Me and O.C. are so close because he is the same guy when he was, he had all that authority because of the player he was, but he is the same person. He is a leader. And the way he treats people is with respect. Always has, always will. That's why everybody in the NFL community treats him like that. So what we're looking at, and young people need to take notice, don't let these older people tell you what leadership is. You know what leadership is. And use your power to get the people in places to make change that are leaders. That's what they are because leadership is important when you are in chaotic situations where there is no roadmap. It's just the essence of who the human being is and their objectives. It comes out in these pressure situations and leaders shine. You see that in sports because it's every day. They are challenged day in and day out. They have to hone those skills. I don't see that in our leadership in the world. Do you think the NFL locker room, do you think the leaders within that are a unique thing to other sports? Because being from England and watching a lot of football or soccer, as we call it, I, I have no idea whether we elect leaders, but what, just watching like the All or Nothing series on Amazon Prime, of uh, seeing inside uh, NFL locker rooms, you always elect leaders and those people stand up and, they, and you have the respect of the entire locker room. Do you think that's a, a unique thing within the NFL or do you think that's an American thing? I think it's a sports thing, to be honest. You know, what we see as fans, and I am a fan of all sports, let's be honest, is different than what happens in the locker room, on the field, on the pitch, 
Those guys have their own relationships, those guys and girls, whatever sport they're in. And they establish their leaders by what these people do, who they are, how they behave, how consistent are they. They don't, there's no, you don't have to get up there and vote. It is clear as day. But that's a microcosm of the world because it's a small area, right? You get to know these people. You get to see how they conduct their life and what's important to them. So because of that, we can make those decisions because we have a clear understanding who those individuals are. But what it does do, and I've seen in the NFL uh, and in youth sports my whole life, is there are so many people from so many different walks of life and you get to bond with them and really understand who they are and have candid conversations, sometimes hard, sometimes easy. You get to go spend time with their families and see all these different things that make us beautiful as human beings. And there's no fear to it. I mean, we hate comes from fear. Um, a biases comes from lack of understanding. And in sports, you're forced to understand each other because that's the only way you have success. And it makes it beautiful because when I go out and I spend in the U.S. especially in all different walks of life, I've usually played with someone of a similar background to whoever I'm talking to. I understand how they look at things. I understand some of their circumstances because I've had those conversations. And that makes it much easier when things are hard to get on the same page because I look at everybody and I want to understand their situation and where they're coming from and what what, what they're trying to get across before I try to get my point across. People want to be heard. People Just listen. Once you listen, they're going to listen to you. It, and that's what leaders do. It's simple. Leaders aren't the focal point. They're a vessel. Well, let's touch on that. You just said about the... Um... What, when you're in, when you've been with people and basically who've grown up in the same environment as you within the NFL, have you ever found, especially in the NFL, that is, you've come across people that have come up with a completely different, grown up with a completely different background from you, but and you found a device there in a locker room, or is is it a completely together place? Have you ever found a, a division within a locker room? Absolutely, absolutely. I've. Many times. It happened to me in college. I was thinking the other day, um, just because of everything going on. And I remember in college at UCLA, uh, we were really good. And I think we won 20-something games in a row. We were going down to play the University of Miami. We were undefeated. And there was this proposition called 209 that basically impacted minorities as far as um, being admitted into college. It was a rule that allowed, that basically uh, put in place a quota of certain different ethnicities to get into school. So it was really big for us players to represent that on the national stage. And we wanted to wear black wristbands in the game. And our coach found out, we, we kept it quiet. Our coach found out before the game, made this big thing about it. We weren't gonna do it and why. And I just saw at that time in the locker room, guys that I really, I'm friends with now but their lack of compassion towards it because to them, the game was just, it's, 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 th this is what's important. The game, like, that's not important. You know, that, that you deal with that later. And I was young at the time and, and we didn't do it because it was very disruptive. And our head coach wasn't involved with it. He didn't, he didn't support us. And that story 
has resonated throughout my entire life because that's a, those same that's the same thing people continue to say. Not now, later. Hey, I hear you. That sounds good. Yeah, that's right. Later. Because you know why? Because it disrupts what I'm trying to do. It makes me uncomfortable. It's not important to me. And that's how it's been my entire life. People aren't against it. It's just not important. And now it's so much a part of the fabric. Once again, COVID-19 is a huge precursor to this. We already had division. When you talk about the US and the UK, you, got, you have a level of division that's already in the politics. That's one step. You have COVID-19 hits us all. We all need to be together. We all need to work together only when it helps us in power. Because this protest doesn't. And I'm not saying, I'm just talking like I do on my podcast and having a conversation because people need to think. Yeah. Just look at yourself, look at, look at yourself as an individual. And the only thing you can do and you're responsible for is yourself. Nobody knows you better than you. So when you look in the mirror, really challenge the way you think about things. Really challenge what's important. Because as you go out in society and you are faced with all of these different things that throw off your norms, your daily routine, whatever it is, you at least understand where your reaction is coming from. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good, but it's your reaction. And once you have a clear understanding of yourself and how you react, you can then see where other people are coming from. Because at that point, you can say, I think like this. These are my biases. Okay, let me. Let me put this over here and let me see what's actually happening from another person's point of view. That's how we all have change. It's hard, it's painful, but so is changing your life, changing a habit. The result is always good. Doctor tells you you need to change something for your health, you do it, it's good. It hurts while you're doing it. It's painful because you have to change something. Listen, we don't get anywhere without a level of, an, of discomfort and athletes, this is why you talk to athletes and people say, oh, you sound so positive and this and that. Because athletes day in, day out are faced with opportunities to force themselves to change. And it's painful and it's hard. And we beat ourselves down to a point where we understand who we are and our weaknesses. And we continue to try to fight through that to get better. It doesn't make us the greatest people on the planet. I'm just saying this is what we do. In terms of, is that helped you during the whole lockdown phase then, just that of having that attitude as an athlete? I think being an athlete definitely helps. And I think, yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, it's, it's shaped everything I am and, and how I think about the world and how I am not scared to face issues head on, especially those. Sometimes I'm scared to. Sometimes I'm, you know, you go in a game, you're scared, man. Like, you, you, you got an opponent, um, you're playing against a, 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 a guy that, you know, you watched on film that, man, he's got you a little freaked out. You know, you still got to play the game. And when you're out there, the main thing I've learned is you have to be present. I mean, there's really good. I've seen guys that can practice away and they go out in the game and they're not the same player. And it's because they're not present. They're not in the game. They're not present. And in this situation and everything we do, just be present. Don't be distracted. Know where you are. Know what you're trying to accomplish because 
when you when you're there and you are focused and locked in that's when you become better as a as a person because your knowledge or 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 your skill or whatever you actually get to work on and i think so many people especially now with the way these devices are they're just so distracted and that's why this thing is what it is we're at home we got time and we're looking at it and we're not distracted everybody's looking at the same thing and here you are that's why you have uprise this is this is this is how it happens in society and like i said before young people man young people this is your world you have to live in it longer than anybody so you need to start thinking about what you want for the future and start making sure that that's the narrative that your leaders understand you will not accept anything but that they'll fall in line because most elected officials they just want to be elected again that's it so your power is this is what we want and if you want to be elected you're going to do it they will have you ever thought about running for president, Jason? Because I think uh, people would fall in line for you because you speak so well about these kind of things. No, OC, I'm, I'm going for OC, but I don't think I would pass the background check. <laughs> so it, back on the uh, like the COVID we've just been talking about. We can talk. We can talk about football, man. I'm sorry. I'm, we can go <laughs> way you want, man. No, it's absolutely like like I say. There's more important things in the world than sport. As much as we all love football, it's been listening to you talk about this it's like i i was educated by listening to the podcast for you and oc and now it's just like it's like listening to someone with so much knowledge listening to you now and it's great and I, everyone that listens to this i undoubtedly know will feel the same um on the topic of uh sticking with covid do you think it's kind of you know obviously when you retired from the nfl you was essentially forced to retire through injury um when you had your operation is it almost like, is it, is it a similarity to what you've been experiencing now? Because everything you knew back then kind of came to a halt because you were, all you knew was playing football. And then one day it was like, you can't play football anymore. So is this kind of like you, you're kind of stuck doing nothing now as you were then or, or, or your mindset anyway, should I say? So, you know, what's cool about that question is that when I, when I, when I think about that is that, Everything people are feeling, I felt. Uh, you just, it's, you're depressed and you don't know it. You know, you, you just don't feel the same way. And if you're mentally tough, right, you just kind of grinding through it. But I was alone. You see, the world is in this together right now. I mean, everybody, you see all these articles every week. I'm reading stuff and it's, I'm, you know, I'm reading a Harvard Business Review and they're talking about, you know, how to, how to avoid depression and, you know, working at home and this and that, right? There's all these solutions now. Mm. I didn't have a solution. My friend, his name is Carlos Emmons. He played about 12 years in the league. Good friend of mine, linebacker. Good friend of me and OCs. Uh, he was retired. We retired at the same time. He got hurt. I got hurt. His girlfriend at the time, years later, told him, I can't believe how depressed you were. She, she was like, do you know you and Jason used to spend four to five hours a day on the phone? We would sit and call each other and just talk because all our friends were playing football. Yeah. We're 30 years old. He's older than me. Everybody's got a job. You know, we're at home. We don't know. We even know he, he was starting a restaurant. He knew what he was going to do. I knew what I was going to do. But we were so depressed and we didn't know it. 
but the thing we had was each other. And I think this COVID situation has forced people to say, you know, it's cool to have, feel like you have a bunch of friends and, uh, and, and be very social. That's cool, I'm a social dude. But in times like this, you're like, what? who can't I live without? You know, I mean, who's that important? And, and what is important? And people's family, friends, you know, your tightness group, and just don't forget that. Because something else is gonna happen in your life, and, that, and when that happens, it might not be a, a global academic, hopefully, like COVID. It'll be a situation you're going through as an individual, but remember what you felt like and what got you through and those are your people that you trust and you care about and you have a relationship with. Lean on them. That, I mean, we can't, do, we can't do anything by ourselves. We're humans, man. Why do you think this social distancing is so hard? We're not supposed to socially distance. You know, we're supposed to be together. And why do you think these pro, when people protest, the power of it, it's the togetherness. You know, it's hard. Hate is hard and hate is exhausting because it's pulling you apart. And that's what we're, we're not supposed to be that. Why do you think we love sports? People together, accomplishing, fans. Why do you think fans are so important to the game? Everybody's talking about not having fans. It's, the fans are as important to the game as the player. That energy is real. We are together. We feel it out there on the field. They feel it in the stands. That's real. Momentum's real. All that's real. So I think, I know I've gone off topic, but as it, you know, through this situation and I look at the difference as when I retired, being by myself and going through that, I didn't have a group, a, a, a community going through it with me like people do now. And just remember, it's, you can get through anything with the people you care about and understand you're not alone. I mean, it really is key, man. It, 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 it's, it's, it's how I live my life. You said you knew um, you had an idea what you was gonna do anyway, during that or after you've retired. Did, was media one of those things? Obviously you're now on the BBC with the uh, Chappers and OC. Was that something you always had in mind or is that just kind of something that you fell upon? Yeah, it was something I did, definitely did not have in mind. I wanted to go into finance, uh, I did. I'm still involved in uh, uh, personal finance for athletes, entertainers, um, young people, uh, young entrepreneurs. And when you go into finance, especially coming out of football, the last thing I wanted to be was some like a uh, uh, public figure, I guess they call it, because I just wanted to disappear and, and, and work for my clients. I did not want anything else. And uh, fell into this just coming out to the UK, uh, always uh, coming back and forth because uh, my daughter and her mother, my, uh, she obviously works out here. And so when I found out OC was coming out here, it was like, what, OC? I thought he was still playing. So I found out he was getting involved. Uh, I thought, man, maybe this media thing is cool. I'll be doing with OC, so it's my buddy. That's literally how I fell into it. But now I love it. I, 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 I miss talking about football. I love the game. I love. And I love being on the media side because I can look at it also as a player, but every aspect of the game from coaching to management to scouting, all that kind of stuff. I really like looking at every angle and being able to take all that 
break it down and kind of tie it together. So when I'm talking about something uh, to, um, to the audience, I can use all these different things that I understand and really simplify it and explain why it is important to that play on the field in that game. I think that's key what you've said because to be to be honest, without being a suck up to you and OC, you you two guys are on, honestly one of the reasons that made me understand NFL because as a spectator, a relatively new spectator still, I'd say watching you like you say simplify things there, you don't actually understand how complex the NFL is. I actually learned through watching you guys playing Madden um, on the <laughs> PlayStation and. Um, watching a bit watching that watching the all or nothing series like it's when obviously when quarterbacks and everything you run plays and you start shouting all these things and you have to remember all these what like how do you do what even is that like is that just something as soon as you you start at a young age you just you have all these things drilled into you because in comparison to our football soccer that isn't complex that's you pass a ball you move you you move to here that that is literally all there is to it the nfl there's so many little uh little cogs to the wheel yeah you know the, the nfl the game of football is so strategic and because you know people uh, especially you know those that love football in the uk they uh you know soccer they they like the movement sports right they like the the non-stop movement sports the stop and start it, it, it they don't really they're not into it but the stop and start gives you the ability to now strategize in an instant so you can adjust on the fly and that's what makes the nfl so fascinating because everybody's important because of all these different skill sets you have as a player and also your ability to process information on the fly you have to have it all um, there's one thing i as i got to the nfl the People look at the game, I think a fun way to look at it is there's all like little guys, there's a bunch of fast little guys, right? There is on, the, on this planet, but there's not a lot of fast big guys, <laughs> you know? And when you, I remember when I first got to the NFL, the biggest difference was I would look at a defensive end and I was like, oh my goodness, this guy is flying. He is 6'6, six, six, you know, 270, whatever, six, you know, huge. And the way they were running, I was like, this is dangerous, you know? And it's, it's, it's because of that, you have to be so intelligent as far as the sport is concerned because things are happening on the fly and adjusting. If you don't understand the game, it's going to pass you by. So the best players I played with are the smartest. You noticed that uh, since obviously you live in the UK now, have you noticed an increase in the UK fandom of NFL? Yes. And that is the reason. Back to your point about the media, I, I don't think I'd ever want to do this anywhere else. I'd want to be here. Uh, I feel an attachment to the fans here. Mm. And just, I've seen the growth of the game, but I've really seen it when I'm walking the streets. I, I, I take the bus, I'm on the tube, you know, I move like that. You know, I lived in New York for a long time. So public transportation is my thing. I love it. And you just saw, I saw people from year one to where we are now coming up. J-Bell, UNOC, J-Bell, UNOC. And I would see guys, people, I remember one time this guy, like running to work, runs across the street and goes, hey, I just wanted to tell you, man, you know, and gave us a compliment. And as more, as that 
became more apparent how people were connected. It was like, it was, it was people, they're not, they're fans of the game. We're just, you know, having that conversation with them. Yeah. And it's just so cool because it's increased so much. And you see kids. One time a kid walked up to me in the mall, in the mall, mother, kid. Kid goes, that's Jason Bell. I heard him. I, I was with my mom and my daughter. I signed something for him. And the mom says, you don't know, but his father took a picture with you coming out of the tube. And, I, and, and, and they were both doctors. And I was like, oh, I remember. And think about that. That's a whole family. That the, the game of the NFL has brought them together in a way that sports is supposed to do. And I just love that. I, I, I love what this game has done. It has this movement that is new out here and everybody's kind of together because they, they love the sport and I'm just a part of it. And man, it's, it's, it's exciting. Do you ever see, I mean, from a personal preference, I don't want to see this, but um, do you see a London franchise happening? <sighs> you know, I would love for it to happen. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, I would love for it to happen. I would love for them to figure out a way to do that. And the appetite is here. The only thing when I, just in my head, if I have this conversation is, there's just so many fans from so many different teams. I love the fact that this country is just represented by all different teams, you know, because People are like, I like this team. I like that team. They don't have to like the local team, you know. I do like that. It's, uh, yeah. it's kind of like in the states, you know, the, the, the certain states that don't have a franchise. And the state becomes kind of broken up with different fans of different franchises. And it's cool uh, because they don't have a local team. So I, 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 like, I like that here a little bit too. The one that's one thing for me. Like I'm a I'm a Rams fan. I've got to represent the Rams on here. Um, See, and I can't ever. I've got no connection to LA whatsoever. I wish I did. I wish I had people in LA, but I can't ever imagine supporting anyone else now. So it's just. You see, it's it's. Remember, think about how long. I mean, since they had the game on Channel Four, you know, people are. I mean, the Miami Dolphins. You know, people love the Dolphins. People love the Bears. People love Green Bay. You know, there's some people got their teams, man. They're not changing. And so when teams come over here, the way these crowds are in these games, I mean, it's 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 only thing comparable to it is a big playoff game. Like when when players come over here to play, it's not like a regular season game. This is different. They're looking up like this is crazy. They love it. That's the that is the power of playing over here in the UK. The this is now a part of the NFL, and the fan and the players love it when they get out there on the field. They love the energy. It's something new to them, and that's because people like all different teams, and they love the game. So it's uh, we have a unique thing over here, and it's going to continue to grow. And really, the fans are responsible for how it plays out as far as what we uh, what we provide. It's a real shame, obviously, this year the London games won't be happening, but there are bigger things uh, going on in the world. But um, I completely lost my train of thought. Don't know what I was going to say. I, I, <laughs> hey, listen, it happens to me all the time. No, no, it happens to me all the time. It's a, it's a real shame, obviously, that the London games aren't happening, but do you see the NFL not happening? Like, do you see there's any way that come September it won't happen? Uh, honestly, I, obviously, I 
don't have the authority to make those decisions, but the way it looks, I think the games are happening. The NFL has given themselves flexibility with their schedule. That's one of the reasons the games are not happening in the UK is because if something has to change because of a, you know, a, a, a second wave or anything like that, or if someone tests, you know, a team tests positive and it kind of shoots through the league real quick, they can shut it down quickly. And that's why they can't come to the UK. And also, you know, there's bigger and better things going on and you don't want to drain public resources. You know, it takes so much of the public's resources. Now the NFL pays for it, but it takes so much to conduct one of those games. And now's not the time uh, to take away those resources when the community needs it. But I think the games will be played. They've given themselves a lot of flexibility. Um, and I think they're going to do, they're going to have everything they need to make sure players are safe. Do you think that's going to include fans? I, th I think a lot of people, me included, don't want to see it without fans. But do you think, yeah. do you think there will be fans in the stadium come September? I, I don't know about September, but I think they have a plan in place to slowly uh, implement and increase uh, how many fans are in the stadium. You know, that's one thing. The NFL has got great people as far as uh, the health is concerned of the fans and the players that are, are breaking down a strategy. And they also have the advantage of other leagues going first. Uh, they don't have to be the first. They can look at all these other leagues, things that have happened, uh, good and bad, and now they can use that in their data to adjust going forward. Okay. So let's go back on to back in time to your playing career, shall we? Uh, play for the Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, and New York Giants. I say back in time, but what do you expect from them this season? There was three teams. All right, so let's start with who I think will do the best, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, the NFC East is a tough division. And obviously two of those teams are in there that I played for with the Giants. And I just think the Cowboys are a – they're a good team that got better. They got better in the draft. I really love CeeDee Lamb, the receiver they got. I think I think – I like Dak Prescott. We talked earlier today about leadership and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, Dak Prescott has, he's got it. You know, he's just got it, man. You just hear it, you know, you can see it. And so I like that team. I like the way they're built. I think they've drafted well. I think they defensively can continue to get better and have been. And the coaching change is going to be, Mike McCarthy's going to do some good things as far as from a leadership head coach standpoint that can change that team and propel them forward. So I think they'll do the best. I think they'll win the NFC East and should have a deep playoff run. Um, Houston Texans, man. I, I obviously love the Texans. Spent most of my career there. I think Deshaun Watson is one of the top five players in the league. You know, I mean, he is. He's electric. Everybody's talking about what happened with Hopkins and losing the receiver and things like that. I think their main issues on defense. I want to see they have to improve. They got to get better. But they still have a lot of weapons on offense, and they got Deshaun Watson. It's going to be hard because the NFC, the NFC, I mean the AFC South, the Colts are good. 
Tennessee's good. So you, you remember everything in the NFL is about winning your division. Mm. Like before you get into this whole conceptual thing about who's going to do this and that, you got to win your division. And I think they're the third best team in their division. And that, that, that hurts them. That's why I go with the Cowboys first. And the Giants, once again, I think they're the third best team in their division because I think right now uh, Philly is a positioned a little better yeah, than they are. I'd agree with so that. it's going to be hard for them to win their division. I do like Daniel Jones, and I do like them protecting him uh, with the move uh, to draft an offensive lineman early. I think that you saw by the interest in team, you saw when the head coaching job came up, even though it's the Giants, it's a prestigious job. You see what they feel about the team by the coaches and their interests. And a lot of people wanted that job because of Daniel Jones. So they, they see uh, good things in him for the future. So I'm excited to see his development in year two because this jump is important. That second year as a starter is a big thing. Bounce back year for Saquon Barkley as well. Do we expect? Yeah, Saquon, Sa Saquon's the man. Saquon just, I mean, he's got to get better at his pass blocking, but he's the man. I mean, he's, 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 he's an elite playmaker. You just need to open things up so the focal point always isn't on him. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's exactly why they picked him in the first round. So many elite running backs going into 2020, aren't there? Like, even the, the people that have been drafted, the people that are already in there. There's people that have been there for two, three years, like Nick Chubb, who's now got Kareem Hunt behind him. And if, if not in front of him, it's just an, a stacked class of running backs, which is uh, exciting for people that enjoy the run game, I suppose. Man, look, you either have one, you either have one or you don't. You need a running back. This, this, the, the quickest way to expose a team is in the run game. And the reason I say that is, as boring as it looks, when you're looking at those linemen smashing into each other, they are closing up gaps, right? If one of those gaps is open and you got a runner who can see it and explode through there, that is a big game. That is a big play. And that's why running backs are important. They have to have vision. They have to, ha they have, to have the skill set to, to, to when they see something, explode and get through it. But really, they, they got to be able to pass block. And they got to be able to catch the ball. So the way the offenses are this year, the way the offenses are going, he has to be able to flex out and be a receiver because that gives the offense an advantage versus the defense. Absolutely. Um, one thing I was going to ask you, which has now actually been, um, it's not happening, but the proposed move to bring the uh, fourth and 15 in for the uh, onside kick, obviously the, they keep, they keep trying to do things to help the onside kick really because it's near enough. It's impossible near enough now. Obviously, two Tim teams do it. But what was your uh, thoughts on that? Do you think there does need to be a rule change, even if it's not going to be the fourth and fifteen now? So my personal opinion is I I hate them continuing to eliminate special teams play as a special teams guy. It's such a big factor in the game. So much yard and field position is exchanged. I like what they've done on the kickoff in the past where you can't do the wedge. Uh, that really helps player safety. But they're slowly but surely trying to eliminate the kickoff from yeah. the game, it seems like. And the one thing, I, when I look at the onside, and yes, it was a disadvantage last year. But as a defensive back, every year, every couple of years, how they enforce how we play changes on how the offense 
can complete passes. They want to see high-flying offense. So they force us to change our game and adjust. So when I look at this, kickers got to get better. They got to figure out a way. You know, you got to figure out a way in the way the game has always been played because that's the way you make and have enforced it for defensive backs. I mean, defensive backs are the best athletes on the field for a reason. They try to tie our hands at all costs because they want to see the ball in the air. That's what the fans want. So kickers are going to have to get better. You know, they're going to have to uh, – talent evaluators are going to have to find people that can do it, and they're going to have to coach it, put the onus on them. I think it was um, – was it Koo last year that hit two or three in one go, in one game, the uh, onside kicks? <laughs> yeah. It does show that it can be done. But like you say, if, the, if kickers get better, they can do it. So – yeah, I mean, the game is, it's a complete meritocracy. If you can do it, you can do it. If you can't, you can't. That's, that's sports. So a lot of times, you know, it's easier for the coaches to say, oh, he can't do it. Let me find another guy. But, you know, maybe it's start time. You find somebody who can coach somebody that can do it. So, yeah, it's uh, like, you, like you said, at the end of the year, people were figuring out how to do it. So let's see if that progresses this year before we change the rule book. Absolutely. Just before I end then, I'm going to hit you with some quick fire questions. Anyone that I get on as a guest, I hit with these quick fire questions. So they're basically your uh, very early takes on the season. And um, we'll look back at them at the end of the year and we'll see just how well you do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Right. So first one, worst record in the NFL. Who's taking number one pick next year? Oh man, worst record. I think Jacksonville's got some problems, man. I'm not sure about them. I'm Is not, it a problem if Trevor Lawrence them. comes at the end of it, though? No, I mean, and I and I and Minshew Mania is something else. I he can he can go ahead and start making things happen. Um, yeah, I don't. You know that I never like to think about last place, just because as a player, I mean, you just don't know. Everybody's O and O. Things can happen when it starts. You know, so I think the teams that will struggle. We all know, and they're the teams without real solidified quarterback position. So the teams that all have quarterback questions are all the ones I feel like are going to be in that um, pot of struggling teams. I know that's not quick fire, but that was, that's <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> uh, flip that then. Best record, who's going to or slash who's going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl. I tell you right now, Kansas City, man. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to lose games. It's going to be hard for them to lose games. So I, I can see them having the best record. I can I can see them winning back-to-back Super Bowls. A bit of a Man, Patriots-esque takeover. They look good. Plus, they, they brought the, obviously, the running back in the first round, which is an area they didn't really have, is it, isn't it, last year? They didn't really have someone that they would definitely have as a number one running back, and I think he may go in straight as running back one. So... Hey, this is Andy Reid. This is Andy Reid one on one. He loves those kind of players. He had a guy named Brian Westbrook when I played in Philadelphia. Uh, that was this kind of guy, and he was a monster to deal with. So, Andy Reid is going to find a way to get this guy to ball in space, and he's going to be a matchup nightmare. League MVP, then Jason. Oh, front runner is Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes again. Yeah. Oh no, it was him. He's just he's get, he's getting better. He's getting better, man. You know, that's, you know, he's, think about it. He's seeing so many defenses and he's understanding how they play against him. What you have to learn as a player is how do they attack you? 
and he is now seeing that, and that's dangerous for defenses. Okay, so who's your surprise package? Whether that's a t- well team and player surprise package as a team and a, and a player. Uh, player, I'll go with and package. I'm gonna go with Arizona Cardinals, and I'm going with Kyler Murray. I, you know, we had all the excitement because he was a first round pick. And then you kind of saw him play. The team was struggling. And unless you were on the West Coast and really paid attention to Arizona, you forget how good he played and how much better he got and how this offense is now getting more tailored to what he does and even the moves they've made. I think that as they improve on defense, this team under his leadership can make some waves. The one team, even though they're in obviously the Rams division, the one team that do excite me. And uh, I kind of have a soft spot for him, even though I shouldn't with them being in the same division. But I think they just have a lot of exciting players around them. So they do, man. They're going to they're going to have. How are you going to cover them, man? You know, with Hopkins over there now with Fitzgerald. I mean, what what are you going to do? You got a quarterback can make all the throws can move around. Dangerous, man. Looking good for them. Finally, before I let you go and enjoy the last of the uh, British sun. Uh, for the fantasy lovers out there, who is your number one pick or top tip to pick up in fantasy this year? Um, you, you know, you always got to go with a quarterback just because, but it's probably two and easy enough. It's Pat Mahomes and it's um, probably Lamar Jackson. I mean, he just does so much for that team. So he's going to get you rushing yards. He's going to make big plays in the air. He's just so much a part of the offense. And when you think about fantasy, you need somebody – who's got the ball in their hands. Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. It was good, man. Good conversation.